This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Football Friday podcast for week number five. As I always mention, no season whips by quicker than an NFL season. You know, you open up, boom, week one. Now you're in week five. Well, you know what? It's week 11, week 12. It's Thanksgiving, and you're worried about playoff possibilities. That's the way it goes. It's a sprint. It goes very, very quickly, and it is a war of attrition as we see each and every week as this guy's out of the lineup, that guy's out of the lineup, this quarterback is iffy, that quarterback's iffy, and that is the essence of the NFL now in a league that is, for the most part, very balanced, very much a league of parity uh, with very few outstanding teams. All right. Last night, once again, and we have seen way too much of the Denver Broncos in prime time, and it has been a nightmarish start for Wilson and the new head coach, who has been utterly awful, utterly awful, and so overmatched as a head coach so far that it is getting hot quickly in Denver because some of the decisions he has made in-game have been just past mind-boggling. They've been hard to understand. They really have. And last night, that was a game that the Broncos had won, that they allowed. And the Colts were awful. I mean, let's be honest. You had two veteran quarterbacks last night who not only got sacked 10 times and threw the ball all over the place and committed four turnovers, but were just bad. I mean, bad. And these guys are both very talented quarterbacks. They didn't look at last night. And that game was just an ugly mess that was finally uh, won by the Colts, and it never should have been, but it was, and it kept the Colts alive right now. Uh, the Colts have somehow gotten to five games at 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and they thank their lucky stars that they have because they haven't played well yet, and they played last night without their wonderful running back, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and that made a big difference. But they got the victory, a tough loss for the Broncos, and a very tough start to the Russell Wilson era. In Denver. Sunday morning, we're back in London. I hate the London games. No one ever really plays well in London. They were all talking about what a great game that was last week. It wasn't a great game. But you know what? It was a close game. And that's what you hope for. The Giants and the Packers, both teams already 3-1. and one. The Giants are very surprising 3-1. and one. The Packers are very ugly 3-1 and one, as Rodgers has not had a healthy offensive line. He has not had wide receivers he could count on. They have dropped balls. They've run bad routes. He hasn't played well either. He looks like he has sulked at times. He says he has to be much better, and I think he could be much better here because this is a good matchup. Number one, the Giants have lived by the, by the blitz. You can't blitz Aaron Rodgers. Number two, these guys should be able to, although they're green and they're still learning, they should be able to handle a giant secondary, which isn't very good. So you really can't blitz this quarterback, and they can't really cover. So the bottom line is this should mean some big plays for Green Bay. The key to the whole game, 
and we expect Daniel Jones to play. The key to the whole game is can the Giants continue to pound the running game behind Barkley, behind Jones, and run for 200 yards against a Packer team which hasn't been good against the run? I think the Packers will be ready to stop the Giant running game. They don't have to fear the Giant passing game because the Giants don't have a passing game. They have no wide receivers. They don't pass block well, and their quarterback is a better runner than he is a passer. So the bottom line is they are going to try and take the run away. I think they will. If they do, this will be a very ugly game. If they don't, this will be a close game. That's what it comes down to. Uh, The Giants are playing with house money as they get into a toughest part of the schedule. They have the Packers here in London, and they have the Ravens. Then they even have a trip to Jacksonville, which won't be easy. So the games are going to get tougher, but they have found a way, even if it's been ugly. Even if it's been unimpressive, they have found a way to win three out of four. And other than the Cowboy game, they've been able to come out on top. They have been well coached. They have gotten some breaks, and they have taken advantage of those breaks, and that's why they're three and one right now. The Steelers had to make the move to pick it. He's not ready, but they had to make the move. You wondered why he looked good in the preseason and then wasn't ready in the regular season? Duh. The preseason has nothing to do with the regular season. The regular season is a whole different world than the preseason. So if somebody can look good in the preseason, it doesn't mean they're going to look good in the regular season. And he's a young quarterback playing against a Buffalo defense that is all beat up. But the Steelers are beat up on offense, I mean on defense, and that's going to hurt them because that's the only thing they can do. Buffalo doesn't have the kind of running game that will hurt the Steelers and the Steelers are vulnerable to the run, but they will not be able to handle all the weapons the Bills have for four quarters. I figure the Steelers will play well for a while and then break down and their offense will do nothing. If they turn the ball over, this will be a 40-10 to game. As it is, the Bills are two touchdown favorites and the only question is how many they win the game by. Chargers and Browns at two and two apiece. Browns have gotten a great year out of Chubb, and that's pretty much it. They have given some games away. The Chargers finally got going last week, but they have a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries. And again, both teams have some key injuries for this game that could, along the lines that could impact the game dramatically. But right now the Chargers are the better team. The Bears at 2-2 two and two are getting nothing out of the passing game. The Vikings uh, won a game last week in London that they were fortunate to win, but so what? They got it. They're 3-1. and one. They haven't been ultra-impressive. They're 3-1, and one. and right now, though, they are in a lot better shape than the Bears are, and the Bears are fortunate to even be 2-2 two and two considering some of the way they've looked on offense so far this year. The Lions, let's be honest, a lot of people were in the Lion bandwagon. The Lions have had a soft schedule in their one and three. Now they take on the Pats. The Pats at one and three have been highly competitive and easily could have won, probably should have won against the Packers last week. They are hoping that Jones will play a quarterback. I doubt he will. Hoyer's gone. The kid wasn't bad last week. He did okay. Zap did okay. But you hope Jones can play. This game, the Lions can score even though they have injuries on offense. Their defense has been a sieve. The Pats will take advantage of that. 
and you figure that the Pats will win this game because they're just infinitely better coached, and this is a game that the kind of game that the Pats usually win. The Lions have been just awful on defense. They've been civ-like on defense, and despite scoring a bunch of points, they're one and three and headed nowhere, and will probably be one and four after this game. The Seahawks are two and two. They've taken advantage of this early schedule. Now they get the Saints, who are all banged up. Sounds like Kamara should be able to play, but when you're dealing with ribs, it's hard to tell. I I don't. Winston didn't practice leading up to the game, so I don't know if he'll play. I doubt he will. Um, the Saints have better talent, but you know what? Geno Smith's played pretty well. They've run the ball well. Metcalf is dangerous. He had 147 yards receiving last week. Seahawks shouldn't be able to win here, but they might be able to steal another game. They've stolen a couple this year already at 2-2. Two and two. It's been a long time since you would circle a Dolphin-Jet game. But here's a Dolphin-Jet game that everybody should be interested in. The Dolphins will be without Tua, and the Tua controversy is going to linger, and some more heads will roll, and rightly so. But Bridgewater can run the offense. It's going to be fascinating to see the you know, speed that the Dolphins have at wide receiver against these Jet corners. And the Jets have, I told you that I thought Gardner would be a star. I thought he was the best player in the, in the country last year. I watched Cincinnati all year last year. I thought he was the best player in the country. I thought he'd be a standout. He is a standout. He already isn't a rookie. And him against these receivers is going to be fun to watch. The Dolphins love the blitz. They're a good defense. Hall's banged up. He's kind of become the back. He's had a knee this week. Watch for that. See how much he can play. Wilson played well in the second half. His last two drives were really good. You saw some very promising things in the comeback against the Steelers. Yes, the Steelers turned it over. Yes, the Jets were aggressive on defense. They got sacks. They got turnovers. Yes, they did. They took advantage of the situation. They're 2-2. Two and two. If they can win this game, they have really, really accomplished something with the young quarterback back. This will be a fascinating game. The Dolphins don't lose. They have enough with, the, with Bridgewater to get the job done. And to get the ball where they need to get it. And they have so much speed at wide receiver with both guys that it makes it very tough to handle. It's going to be a fascinating game. It really is. And, you know, the Jets, if they do things right, can win this game. It'll be fascinating to watch. Like I said, it's been a long time since you really cared about a Dolphin-Jet game. Well, you know what? This is an interesting one. The Falcons at 2-2, you know what? They've done well. They really have. They've played well. They've been competitive. Now they get the Bucks at 2-2 two and two, who are banged up. Brady has owned the Falcons, and why not? You figure he will again here. The Bucks are, like I said, they're banged up in a lot of spots, but they should be getting healthier and giving Tom more weapons back. Tom even had an injury this week, which was li- limiting him, but you know he's going to play. He says he's going to play. He will. Um, the Bucks will find a way. The question is just, you know, how one-sided this game is. Titans and Washington. Washington's been really disappointing. Their defense hasn't come together. They've been really spotty. Titans 
How did they get a game last week? They did. Get the ball to Henry. Do your stuff off play action. Try to stop the big play on defense, and you'll be fine. Uh, and they're clearly the better team there. The Texans haven't won yet, but they have owned the Jaguars. They have driven the Jaguars nuts. They have beat them in recent years every time, and that's been where they've feasted. They have gotten their wins against the Jaguars. They've beat them the last four times they played them. Jaguars need to win this game. Last week, they could have won the game against the Eagles. They got off to a fast start, but let's be honest, Lawrence didn't handle the, the conditions. He turned the ball over repeatedly. He fumbled the ball repeatedly. He's got to hold on to the ball. Young quarterbacks cannot turn the ball over. They can't fumble it, and they can't throw bad interceptions, and he did both last week. But the Jags are a vastly improved team, and I think they will show that here. The way you show that you've arrived is when you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. The Jaguars are supposed to beat the Texans this week. If they don't, it's a big step back. Niners and the Panthers. The Panthers are just bad. Let's be honest. The coach is under enormous duress. I don't even know if he gets through the season. You know the Panthers don't score points, and they're going against a defense that is rock solid. Niners have had a lot of injuries already, but this is a game that they're just better and just a more solid unit in so many spots that they just should be able to hand the Panthers another loss. And the Panthers just don't score points. And I don't think they'll score them against the Niners. The Cowboys are 3-1 and one at the 2-2 two and two Rams. This is a game the Rams desperately need. Cooper Rush has not lost yet. He continues to do good things. Last week, he did get a little lucky a couple of times with throws that could have been intercepted. Didn't happen. Lambs hurting, which could be a big issue. Rams have been off kilter. But this is a week that you would think that they could right the ship a little bit. I look for a really close game here. If the Cowboys win this game, and get to four and one. I mean, it's really an amazing start considering what went on. You would figure the Rams would find a way against Cooper Rush here, but it wouldn't shock me in the least because there's a lot of things I've seen from the Rams I haven't liked this year. The Eagles are four and zero. Have been the best team. Last week it was the defense and the turnovers they forced against Lawrence. Now they get the Cardinals, who are still banged up, who have amazingly got the two and two, but. Eagles have too much right now on both sides of the ball, and there's no way the Cardinals are going to slow down this uh, Eagle offense right now. So until the Eagles cool off, you just got to figure they're going to win again. Bengals and Ravens on Sunday night. The Ravens, what a tough week after blowing a 17-point lead. And really, Harbaugh, who is a very good coach, Really pulling a, just a rock last week. That's all there is to it. I mean, it made no sense. That was a devastating loss. It was one that really, really rocked that team. And obviously, you know that they were unhappy players and everything else that went on. You would look for them to bounce back. They are beat up on defense, though. And this is not a good team to play when you beat up on defense. And again, you cannot... Blitz Burrow. 
You got to play this team straight up because if you blitz him, he's going to make big plays. So look for a lot of big plays in this game, both ways. You know that the Ravens are going to make big plays. They've been making big plays all year. You know the Bengals will make big plays. They got big play people. And that quarterback makes big plays. And he doesn't ever get, you know, you can knock him down. You can knock him down repeatedly. You can do anything you want to him. He's not going to not back off. He's going to be coming in the fourth quarter. That's what you like about him. He is a resilient, tough player. And one of the better players in the league. He is. He's a really good player. And you know what? You don't rattle him. You just don't. You don't shake his tree ever. Nothing bothers him. That's what you like about him. He is a confident player, and he is a player that really brings a real confidence to the position. And it shows. So that's going to be a fascinating game. Both teams 2-2. Two and two. So it's not the end of the world either way, but this is going to be a game with, I'm sure, a lot of big players, a, a very entertaining Sunday night game up against plenty of playoff action. As a matter of fact, that could be game three for the Mets on Friday night, on Sunday night unless the Mets beat them too straight or, heaven forbid, lose too straight. Raiders and Chiefs on Monday night. Raiders, I thought, would win last week, and they did. They had been hard luck. They should, they should have won at least one other game. They easily could have won two other games. They got some really bad breaks late in the game and made some big mistakes late in games. They, beat, they won last week, and now they get the Chiefs, who own them. The Chiefs. Won a big game last week in Tampa. Um, they're a good football team. They're a little different football team this year, but they're still a really good football team. And I still think they have another big year in them. And a 4-1 and one start would put them well on their way. And I think they'll have one after this Monday night. So that's your Monday night game, the Raiders and the Chiefs, which can always be a wild show. And I wouldn't be surprised if it is, but I still think the Chiefs in uh, their very noisy home will find a way, as they uh, usually do, against, the, against most teams, but especially uh, against the Silver and Black. Um, it's an interesting week. You're four weeks into the season. You see some things that are already pretty telling. You had some teams that you had question marks about. Nobody other than the Eagles has really just jumped out and stamped themselves. I mean, you knew the Bills and the Chiefs were going to be the class of the AFC. They still are. They're both 3-1. and one. They're where they need to be. They're headed towards what I think is an eventual AFC title showdown. I thought so. I thought all year that would be what would happen. I think it will happen. NFC is wide open. Right now, the NFC East has come up a lot bigger because the Giants being 3-1, and one, although the Giants are not a serious contender this year. They have too many weaknesses. I... The Cowboys are a little different because they have so many big playmakers on defense that they could be a team. I still expect the Packers to right the ship. It might take them half a season, but I think they'll win enough games, and they could easily be 4-1. I think they probably will be after this week in London. 
And that's a good enough start for them to build the foundation record that they needed to get to where they need to go. They need to get a lot better. They need to bolster that offensive line. They need to bring these kids along at wide receiver, get Rodgers comfortable because he clearly hasn't been comfortable in the offense so far and with his personnel. The bottom line is, though, they're going to get better. And I can see that the Cowboys and the Packers could get better as the season goes on. And obviously the Eagles off to a fast start. I don't like what I've seen from the Rams. The Niners have a lot of injuries before they could contend. Uh, so I think that's where we are at the, in the NFC right now. And the AFC, like I said, I expected it to be the Bills and the Chiefs. I still think it is above everybody else. The Bills and the Chiefs, heads above everybody else in the AFC. We'll come back with your uh, emails right after. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back, everybody. You can send your emails to Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, for you can find the program uh, exclusively on the Bet Rivers Network or wherever uh, you do your uh, looking and searching and uh, downloading of your podcasts. And remember, for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey, uh, Play Sugar House in Connecticut. Uh, just go to the Bet Rivers site and they'll take care of everything and get it. just on download the Bet Rivers app that pertains to you and away you go. All right, now, uh, James starts us off. Does Aaron Rodgers' on-field demeanor and atypical leadership style remind you of any other elite quarterbacks from the past or star players from other team sports? He reminds me of Marino a little bit. Marino could get annoyed. He was one that could get upset uh, at at his receivers, get upset uh, at some of his surrounding uh, cast. Um, Rodgers has done a very bad job of bringing the kids along this year. He's been, it looks, he's been uncomfortable. He clearly has at times pouted. He's been out there without a lot of his offensive line through injury. He's been out, he's had a lot of guys drop balls on him and not make plays that they should have made. Even on the pick six that he had, which was the second pick six he had had at home in like a decade, I'm not sure that he didn't get screwed by the receiver on that, which caused it. It was not a good pass, but I don't know if it was as bad as it looked because of what happened with the receiver on the play. Um, he's got to do a better job in this area and, and help bring these kids along. That's his job, and he has not done the job. You're right. His demeanor and leadership style is very different. He's a different kind of guy. He is, but he's a great talent. Brian emails, how much of a difference does uh, Joe Buck and Troy Makeman make in the Monday night booth for the broadcast? They have played a lot of money. All right, let me say this to you, okay? Nobody, underline nobody, watches an NFL game because of who the announcers are. You don't even, now on the primetime packages, you know who the announcers are based on which uh, network you're watching. But it is there to brand the package. That's what it's for. It is not there to get ratings. It do, it's a proven fact that it doesn't get ratings. If you switched at any network that does multiple games, 
if you switch the announcers out and you put the fifth team on the first team game, you would get the same rating as you got if you put the first team on. So why are they there? They're there to brand the package. They're there to be the signature guys. It's the way it's done. Do they make, do they make people tune in? It's a proven fact. They do not. No. You could, put, you could put two brand new rookie announcers on a good Sunday night game and everybody would watch it. It's the game that they watch, not the announcers. It didn't matter. Now, in the old days, did Giant fans like it if Madden and Summerall were on the game? Yes. Did it enhance their enjoyment? Yes. But would they not watch if John and Pat weren't there? Of course not. They're going to watch anyway. So they, how much of an impact do they make? None. They're there to brand the package. That's what they're there for. Uh... Roger emails, you have talked about this already, but have you watched or do you watch the Manning cast on Monday Night Football? I like Eli Manning, who I know very well. I don't know Peyton Manning, but I like him on the air. I think he's a wonderful guy on the air. I think he's great when he does commercials. He's great when he does Monday Night, I mean, does Saturday Night Live. He's a very talented individual. And he's become basically his own brand. He's, you know, he's making a gazillion dollars and good for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if down the road he's not the commissioner of the NFL or something like that. Or a team owner or whatever. He's going to do whatever he wants in life. He's that kind of guy. You know, I, I think he's a special person. But I've never watched one minute of it. I want the games. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they're doing. I have no interest in that. I can watch the game with no sound. I don't pay attention to the announcers, to be honest with you. I watch the games. I analyze the games myself. I love the games. I don't care about that stuff. I've never turned it on, nor will I ever turn on an accompanying cast. Amazon was promoting an accompanying cast last night. Give me a break. I'm not watching it. And Amazon's got to do a better job with their transmission because I'm telling you, their picture at times just fades in and out and not being very fuzzy. And I never have a problem with Prime Video, which I watch a lot. I watch Prime more than I watch Netflix. And I can tell you, and Prime's good. And Prime's got a lot of good programs. But the, the picture that we're getting, the transmission that we're getting for the Thursday night games has been terrible. Uh, Jason, if the Jets beat the Dolphins, will you think of them as a potential playoff team? No. I will think of them as an improved team. The Jets will have to make the playoffs before I think of them as a playoff team. I'm sorry. I will have to see them actually clinch a playoff spot before I see them as a playoff team. That's how far they have to go. So, no, I think it is a very, very big step for them this week. If they can win this game, it is a pivotal step for them. They will have taken a quantum leap back to respectability. And respectability is what they are trying to establish this year. As I told you when the season started, the Jets were unbelievably improved everywhere. It was about play at quarterback and performance of the head coach and his coaching staff. They were clearly better everywhere else. Now, the offensive line has been a 
crazy thing for them because they've had to, you know, move it around so much and really do a patchwork because of what happened. But they drafted good players. Gardner's is going to be a star. Wilson's good. Hall's good. Down the line. They have players everywhere. If the quarterback plays well, they're going to be on their way. And he played well last week, so that's one step in the right direction. Mike asks, uh, the question has come up about the trade value of Barkley to a contending team this year. Knowing that he is a luxury item that perhaps the Giants will not be able to afford next season, do you consider trading him knowing how important he has been to whatever success the Giants have? I wouldn't think of trading him at all. And the Giants are going to be in a very positive cap situation next year. They're going to have about 80-something million dollars to spend. So I don't think that's a problem. And I don't think Barkley's going anywhere. And Barkley has given them uh, everything they're going to accomplish this year. Barkley's going to be a huge part of without him. They don't have an offense. So um, he has been his old self. He has been among the elite backs. He has been as good as, if not better than every back in the league so far this year, because Taylor struggled with the offensive line. Now he's struggling with the hamstring injury. So he's off to a terrible start. Chubb's been great, but the two best backs in the league so far have been Barkley and Chubb. They've been the two best backs in the league. Uh, David emails, it may just be a hot streak, but would you have imagined the scenario that Geno Smith looks like? Um, You know, there's always been people who said Geno Smith could play. I have never been a Geno fan. So far, Geno, to his credit, has played well. Let's see if it continues. It has never continued over a long period of time. He has always crashed and burned. Let's see if he does. So far, he has done a good job. I have to be fair. John from Jersey, do you think any QB uh, was ever judged harsher than Eli Manning? It seems his legacy was being judged on a week-to-week basis throughout his entire career. Um, I think that's part of being the giant quarterback. I think that's part of being in New York. Eli Manning's career stands on its own. Uh, The last years did downgrade it because he lost a lot of games late. And there wasn't much going on. But he finished his career with a winning record. He's thrown, he started a ton of games. He stayed away from injury. He answered the bell. He threw a lot of touchdown passes, and he is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. And in both those games, he was outstanding in the fourth quarter of both Super Bowls. He made dynamic throws. He did a great job in both quarters. Go look at his statistics in the fourth quarter of both of his wins. He had a terrific fourth quarter in both games. And had a winning fourth quarter in both games. And that's why he is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. There are only five quarterbacks who are two times or more Super Bowl MVPs on winning teams and obviously winning teams. So they have two rings and two Super Bowl MVPs. The other four in the Hall of Fame. Eli belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, Paul from Jersey. I know punters don't often get considered for the Hall of Fame. Uh... But I don't get how Fiegels is not there. It is very hard to get there as a punter. You almost have to have the kind of cachet or legacy that a Ray guy had, where you are so above the fray 
as a kick, as a punter, like a Jennings was or a Ray guy. If you're not recognized on that level, it's going to be very hard as a punter to get to the Hall of Fame. It's just hard. It's a, it's a very difficult thing to do. Shua says, uh, can the Giants win too much to hurt themselves in the draft? I know you talked about coaches only wanting to win games, but they beat Washington a few years ago, and it cost them Chase Young. So what? The bottom line is you win games in the NFL. You only play a handful of games. You win games. No coach, a coach would say you don't understand his craft if you don't understand that he is out there trying to win every game. Every game goes against his ledger. Every game is part of his career ledger. It's there in black and white. It's a win or it's a loss. He wants them all to be wins. That's what they're there for. They don't worry about where they draft players, okay? If you notice, successful teams don't have trouble being successful teams the next year. They find a way to procure talent. A lot of times they do it better than other people. And then look how these good teams sometimes find a guy on the fourth round, on the fifth round, on the sixth round. You know what? The bottom line is you can always get players, win the games. That's what you're there for. That's what you're always there for. Never minimize that it's about winning football games. Allie emails, what do you make of the Tua situation? Uh, it's really a shame he was starting he was starting to, it's really a shame because he was starting to display his talent. I'm not sure he will ever not be hurt. I'm not sure he will never not be hurt either. He's one of those guys who just seems to be accident prone, injury prone. And some guys carry that throughout their career and never get a chance. Look what it did to Luck's career. Those injuries started to pile up. They got to a point where he just said, enough, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. And I'm not going to ruin the rest of my life. Because he had made a lot of money and he had had a lot of early success. Now, Tua hasn't had luck success. I understand that. But let's be honest. They were completely incompetent in how they looked at his injury, how they cleared him to play. From what happened on Sunday to what happened on Thursday was a disgrace. What it will lead to is a new protocol. That's a good thing. Two is lucky he wasn't permanently injured, and hopefully he's not permanently injured. And I would be very careful. Despite what the lofty goals are of the Dolphins this year, I would be very careful before I put him back. Because he clearly, uh, he clearly, and I have no expertise in this area, but he clearly suffered a debilitating neuro- neurological injury. I don't know how long, I have no clue how long that will take to heal. But I would think that they better put him through an intense battery of all kinds of tests, not once but twice, before they ever clear him to play again. Because God forbid that happens again, you'll be looking at him never playing again, but you'll also be looking at him filing the biggest lawsuit the NFL's ever seen. Because his health was severely jeopardized. His life might have been in danger, for all we know. And God forbid a player goes out there and dies in that kind of situation. There'll be people calling for the league to be shut down. And no one wants to see something like that happen. The NFL tries, listen, the NFL 
put money and put their shield in front of the player's health for so long. Goodell should have been fired over it. The players sold out when they should have really held the NFL's feet to the fire. You go back and looked how they just dismissed a man who figured out what was going on with these brain injuries long before, and they did everything they could to try to run him out of the country and discredit him. That was a national disgrace. And people should have lost their jobs who were in authority in the NFL. They didn't. They should have. That was a disgrace. Watch the movie Concussion if you don't think so. And the NFL is doing better now because they've had their, their feet held in the fire. And because the players are smarter now. Stuff like that cannot go on. When someone suffers a head injury, when someone suffers a concussion, I thought my son, who plays tight end in football in high school, took a hit the other day because he also plays special teams. And I thought he took a hit during the game. And that night, I'm telling you, I was on him. I even watched him and woke him up in the middle of the night a couple of times because I was worried that he might have suffered a concussion. You have to be adamant on top of this stuff because these head injuries, it's dangerous. It really is. Devin from Westchester. A lot of teams in the league are two and two. I just feel uh, that we are in a position in the NFL where a great team may be a thing of the past. That has been true for years and years. Listen, everything the NFL does is to create parity. Everything they've done has been to keep teams from becoming dynasties. And the last dominant team we had was the Jimmy Johnson Cowboys. That's the last great team we may ever see in this league because of that. It's almost impossible to keep teams together because once they win championships, logically, once players win championships, they look to get paid. When they've gotten paid, they look to go somewhere to win a crown. Once they get their crown, and they don't have to, so a lot of them don't have to win multiple crowns. Once they get their ring, they want to get paid. And that's why teams break up. And you can't keep these teams together anymore. It's very, very hard. So, yes, you're right. And a lot of people thought this year going in that Buffalo had a team that was going to be impossible to beat. I never thought that. That's why I picked Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl again this year. John from Jersey, you've said Dable looks like a coach and is ready. How does that happen? Is it experience or just the mentality of the person? It's everything. Dable spent a lot of time as an assistant. He put in virtually 20 years of an apprenticeship to become a head coach. But you never know. When the guy moves from being a coordinator, you never know if he can handle being a head coach. It is a completely different job. What you have to deal with is so myriad compared to being a coordinator that you don't know who's going to and who's not. But you can see right away the first inkling was he put together a terrific staff. I told you that in August. Number two, I watch him on the sideline. His team is directed. His team is crisp. There's no surprises. And he can adjust. You've seen him adjust. I've seen him make one mistake in the clock before the half a couple of weeks back. That's the only mistake I've seen him make in-game so far. He looks the part, he's ready, he's mature, and he can think on his feet. 
And that's the biggest thing a good head coach has got to do. He's got to be able to, he's got to be able to coach his staff. He's got to put a good staff together. He's got to be able to delegate because he can't do everything himself. And he's got to be able to think on his feet and, and be able to adjust during the game. And Dable has shown he can do that. Robin, have you ever seen anything from Justin Fields to think he can be a legitimate NFL quarterback? Uh, no. Didn't like him. Didn't think he would be a good quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be a proficient passer. And I think the position is still to be a proficient passer. Kyle asks, what has happened to Russell Wilson? Great question. He has come into a chaotic situation where coaching is not up to NFL quality. He came from a place where there was good coaching. There was even outstanding coaching. He is now in a place where the coaching has been, let's be honest, so far extremely poor. But he has also not handled the position with authority or maturity, and I'm surprised by that because he had always shown that. Even in college, he showed that. He showed a knack. He showed the it factor. He showed everything that you want in a quarterback through the years. Coolness, maturity, uh, leadership, everything. He was a great late-game player. He has looked like a mess so far. It just shows you what can happen in a chaos. Maybe he's feeling some pressure there. Maybe he's feeling some pressure from being there and being the savior. Maybe he's feeling some pressure from uh, just getting comfortable. Maybe he's feeling pressure from the contract. I don't know what it is, but he has been awful. And I'll tell you, Matty Ice, who I said was going to be good this year, hasn't been any better. He's been awful, too. They've both been terrible so far in their new spots. Enjoy week five. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.